Hello and welcome to episode 137 of the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. I am your host, Tim Peter, and this is the <laughs> only place you can get all the digital marketing expertise your business needs. This is episode 137 of the big show. I'm not really Tim Peter. I'm just kidding, everyone. This is your normal host, Stuart Butler, and I'm joined today with Pete DeMeo. Hey, everybody. And Melissa Cavanaugh. Howdy, ho. And of course, the one, the only, the brilliant, the wise, he is Master Yoda to many of us in the industry. That is Tim Peter. How are you, sir? Oh wait! You were talking to me. I got. <laughs> I was not. I was not prepared for that. Sorry. I heard the brilliant, the wise. I assumed you meant Pete. <laughs> oh man, Tim, we've wanted you on the show for for a very long time. For those of you listening, my my obscure references in the intro were really uh, an homage to Tim Peter's phenomenal podcast, Thinks Out Loud with Tim Peter. If you do not listen to that show, absolutely you should. It's it's the antithesis of this show in every way. It's it's succinct. It's factual. It's uh, it's 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 to the point. Um, Tim is the most tweetable human being I've ever met in my life. And we, we were actually planning on doing a show with him today where we did his most tweetable quotes and, and talked about it. But we, we felt like in in light of the chaos that's going on in this industry right now and in the world at large, that that, that would probably be a little tone deaf of us. So, you know, we, we made the decision late to to kind of switch directions, which, you know, a lot of people are making a lot of quick decisions in the last few days. And uh, so that, that what we're doing today is it's going to be things that you as a hotel or a business in this industry can be doing right now or should be at least thinking of doing if you haven't already. And we're going to give give some context to that. And it really was inspired by a blog post that's on Tim's website, timpeter.com. And we'll put links to that in the show notes as well. So I do want to start out today, guys, by just kind of putting out their fuels philosophy. You know, we know that a lot of folks right now are hurting really, really badly. There's a lot of folks that are in, you know, a fight for survival. And there really isn't a lot of happiness out there or, or light at the end of the tunnel. So we at Fuel have made the decision that we're going to try to be a beacon of light. We're going to try to leverage our network, our expertise, and our knowledge in, in, in try to help where we can. You know, we're all taking a beating, beating financially, but we feel like, and Pete, Tim Peters said this too on his podcast this week, you know, there is light at the end of the tunnel eventually. There is an opportunity in this chaos. So we just want to help to get to that point as quickly and as, as relatively painlessly as possible. So we, we, you know, we're going to continue doing what we do. We're going to ramp up the, the, the velocity of our podcast. We, we put together some resources on our website, fueltravel.com, that we'll talk about later on. And um, we're here for anyone that needs us right now. You know, candidly, we, we've seen a dramatic cut in, in, in business from a lot of folks that are cut, pulling back. Um, everyone in this industry is hurting right now, including us, but we're determined to fight through it. We're determined to come back stronger. And, you know, we're going to do that with a smile on our face. So we're going to keep the tone of this show. In, in you know, if you're tuning in to the, for the first time to the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast, this is a show where we try to bring some levity to, to the complexities and the challenges that we face in our industry. And we're going to continue that. So that, that may not be the right fit for everyone. And that's okay. You know, that there's plenty of resources out there that may be tonally more resonant with you. But we, we've decided we're going to continue doing what we do the way we do it. So 
With that being said, no pressure. You've got to be really, really funny now, Tim. <laughs> you got to you got to set the bar much, much lower, Stuart. You know. <laughs> awesome. So, so you know, we are changing the format a little bit. I, I don't think right now we, we're even thinking about doing news or ruse because um, you know it news changes so quickly. I, I think if we push this out tomorrow, the news we said today is probably less relevant. So, rather than doing news or ruse on this show. We're just going to focus on tactical, tangible things that, that can help folks and try to give people a framework through which to think through things like that. That's that's the goal. So unfortunately, that means Pete's not going to be singing in the next few episodes. So I already if had some that you did. If in the people want to hear me sing, they can always go back to one of the other 136 episodes that are already out there. That, well, you know what? We didn't have you singing for the probably the first, I don't know, 90 or so episodes. It was well, it that's a scavenger hunt. They're going to need to find out where I started. <laughs> that, that, hey, that's that's question hey. one for our audience. Which episode yep. was the first episode that you uh, where Pete sang the jingle for the Newsaroos? That, that would be we've had duets, and we've had clarinet performances. We've had all kinds of Newsaroo jingles. Yeah. Indeed, yeah, and we will again, right? But yep. but now is not the time. In in when it is the appropriate time, we'll, we'll come back to the Newsaroos. So Pete. We put out an email earlier today to our network of folks, and it had a really cool quote in it. Do you want to share with people the quote? And this is kind of a philosophy that we're we're kind of adopting internally right now. Yeah, so this is a quote from William Arthur Ward, and it says, The pessimist complains about the wind. The optimist expects it to change. The realist adjusts the sails. And yeah. that's really what we're going to be talking about today is – the wind has changed and you need to, you know, grab your lines and start adjusting those sails. The sooner you do that, the better you will be in the long term. And, and Pete, you're, you're a sailor, so you probably love that analogy. I, I do. I definitely appreciate that one. Cool. All right. So let's jump in. We've got eight eight to get through. In, and uh, we talk a lot. Tim can talk a lot, although often <laughs> he, he can summarize a lot of talk in a very succinct way. But Let's get through these bad boys. So starting with number one, 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 one. All right. So number one is to realize that we are playing poker and we're not playing chess. And technically we're playing an entirely new game. And what that means is this is a situation that's completely different than one that literally anybody has faced in the past. There's a lot yeah. of uncertainty. There's a lot of things we don't quite understand. And what we need to be doing is understand that the the game we were playing has been flipped over. And whomever can understand, oh, hey, we have a new game, there are new rules, and we need to start pivoting on what we know so that we are putting our best foot forward. Yeah, so Tim and I had a phenomenal conversation yesterday. I really wish we'd, we'd recorded it because I feel like there was a lot of value. So I'm going to try to prompt him to recreate some of his wisdom in <laughs> In this episode, but one of the, one of the things that that I'd, I'd pointed out to him was I'd li I listened to the Freakonomics um, podcast a lot, and and they'd be I'd been listening to an episode recently that was talking about the difference between risk and uncertainty, and a lot of the challenges we faced in the industry over the past have been really di about risk. Like th there was a little bit of unknown, but for the most part, we knew what was going on. So the analogy they gave on Freakonomics was this: if if I were to give you a bag of ten balls. Five of them were red and five of them were black. And I told you to pick out one of those balls at random without showing me. And then I would write down on a piece of paper what color your ball was. And if I got it right, I would get 
whatever money you're willing to wager. And if I got it wrong, I'd give you $10,000, right? <laughs> Most people in that scenario would say, I would be willing to bet up to $5,000 to make that bet, right? Because you've got a, a one in two chance, essentially, of getting that right. That's risk. It's, it's known, it's quantifiable. You have all the facts. But what we're dealing with now is uncertainty. So this is more like I give you a bag of 10 balls and you don't know what colors are in there. There could be 10 black, there could be 10 red, there could be 27 different colors, right? You don't know. And I tell you to pick out a ball and I'm going to guess the, the color that you have. That's that's uncertainty because you don't have all the information. And, and people, if I said I'm going to give you $10,000 if I get it wrong, people are willing to bet a lot less in those scenarios, you know, maybe $50. So that that's where we are. So I, I was talking to Tim about this yesterday, and he brought up this other great analogy, which I think is infinitely better about chess versus poker. So Tim, you want to kind of give us your pearls of wisdom there? Huh. Well, in this specific case, these are not my pearls of wisdom. These belong to Annie Duke, uh, who wrote a fantastic book called Thinking in Bets that I read, oh, a few years ago. It's an excellent, excellent book. Annie Duke is a professional poker player. And one of the things that she talked about was when people talk about business a lot, they talk about it like it's a chess game. And, the you know, you got to outthink your opponent. you got to think a few moves ahead and everything. And one of the things that I thought was so brilliant in the book was that she talked about the fact that the problem with chess as an analogy is you can see all of your opponent's pieces. You can see the entire board at once. You know all of the moves that are available to you. You know all of the moves that are available to your opponent. And that's not at all what business is like. It's not at all what life is like, right? Instead, it's more like poker, where you can only see the cards you can see. People on the other side of the table can see their cards, but not yours. You don't know what cards are coming next. You don't know what cards have already been played, etc. And you're having to make bets about how... You know, how confident are you in the decisions you're making based on limited information and where the other side might be actively lying to you, right? And that's much more, it's a little cynical, but it's much more what life is like. Um, you know, and we're in a situation here where the reason this situation that we're dealing with coronavirus and the like, the COVID-19 situation is so different than 2008, 2009 or 2001, 2002, et cetera, is this is not an economic crisis. I mean, it might feel like it at the moment, but it's actually a health crisis that then has caused an economic crisis. And the economic side doesn't get better until the health side gets better. So any forecasts anyone is making are based on assumptions about a thing that are built on assumptions about a thing that are built on assumptions about a thing, right? Which just ratchets up the uncertainty to, you know, epic levels. So it, it it makes it that we have to think about what would you be willing to bet where we're going to be four weeks down the road, 12 weeks down the road, you know, six months down the road, et cetera. And thinking about it more in those ways seems to be a really effective way to think about it. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, on top of that, we're, we're dealing with a psychological crisis, right? Because oh, yeah. <laughs> people's opinions in, in their fears are changing on a daily basis. So, one of the things we've really noticed and, and really, um, you know, continue to adapt to is what the decisions we made a day or two or three or four days ago that seemed right at the time it now seem wrong, right? Like the tone of a message you put out or the content or the advice yeah. or whatever it is, it's changing so rapidly based on 
public opinion and perception and, and things like that. So you, you've really got to be quicker and smarter and more adaptive than you ever have before. And you've got to take in, like you said, the, the information that you can, that you can control and that you know, and then place a bet on what you don't know. And, and sometimes those bets are going to play off, play play through. Sometimes they're not. You know, it's it's crazy. I've, yeah, I've never it, seen anything quite like it. Yeah, it's a weird situation. But, I, you know, the thing I would put to people is, you know, how much are you willing to bet? How much are you willing to gamble that this is over, you know, in three weeks time? I, yeah. I would expect most people would say not very much. The flip side, and to be very positive about this, you know, what would you be willing to bet that this is still going on, you know, 18 months from now or two years from now? Well, I wouldn't bet a lot on that because people are smart and people are resilient. We'll figure out a way through this. So somewhere between those is the place where you are more willing to, you know, place some bets and be a little more confident about where we might end up. And, you you know, you adjust as you get more data over the next weeks and months to figure out, okay, all right, now I'm willing to put a little bit more of my chips on black, you know, or I'm a little bit more willing to put my chips on uh, uh, going all in at a certain point, right? Yeah, and I, th- I just think it's important to to be thinking through those different scenarios. And like you said, if you're willing to put a little bit or a lot on a bet on each scenario, you're being prepared that when when that shifts, when yeah. when the probabilities shift, and when the when you're willing to change that bet, that you're ready to move. So a lot of <laughs> I've been talking to are just running through scenarios right now. And and we had Lauren Gray on the show last week and he was talking through some of his advice that he learned through nine 11. And one of the things he said was they were doing a lot of budget stress testing. So just hypothetical scenarios of what if we lose 25%, 50%, 75% of revenue, what does that look like? And it's not that you need to rush into making decisions. It's just having the knowledge to be prepared that when you have to make those decisions, you're making a strategic decision versus a, you know, a, a knee-jerk reaction kind of a decision. And yeah, you know, I would, I would build on the the poker analogy in that one, you're going to have people coming into the game and people leaving the game. If it's like a hold'em type game, you don't have to put your full bet down when the first card is flopped, right? You're going to learn, you're going to adapt. And as the future becomes more defined, you can adjust that bet. But I think the most important thing is saying, wait a minute, I'm now playing poker and I need to think about it from that perspective and immediately get into that mode. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, what's funny though, is we've really always been playing poker. It's just, we haven't really thought about it that way unless we're Tim Peter and we were smart enough to think about it before. (laughs) Hey, smart enough, smart enough to have read the book. Smart enough to be able to read. Yeah, it's one up on us. So. All right, let's jump into number two. Two, 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 two. Number two is review your insurance, talk to your bank, and stay informed about government assistance. We're talking about core, basic, running your finances here. And you've got to find out what's available to you. You know, we know that there are small business loans, there are federal loans, there's all kinds of resources available, and you need to be up on, A, what your insurance covers and all these other things that might be available to help you get through this time. Yeah, I think I think a lot of folks have gone straight from um, shock to panic, and so they're going to, you know, we're going to talk about cutting budget in a minute and, and, and an approach that's probably appropriate related to that, but before you do that, let's look at the options. You know, a lot of people, we're just talking about, you know, the likelihood of this being going on for 18 months is is pretty low, but it certainly is going to go on for more than 30 days. So 
you know, what, what does your cash situation look like? Well, a lot of hotels, really their biggest payment is going to be to the bank. So go have a conversation with them. Uh, what I, the conversations I've had with local banks here in our Myrtle Beach area are, hey, we're going to support the industry. We're going to offer interest-only loans, long-term loans, low-interest loans. We're going to defer any kind of payments right now. So th there's that initial cash crunch that is really the the biggest fear motivator right now for a lot of hoteliers maybe not as as scary as you think if you're having conversations with with the banks i don't know if you're seeing that tim or if any of your oh, clients yeah. have had those kind of conversations yeah definitely i mean the thing that's really different this time is you know <laughs> banks don't want to own a hotel but, <laughs> no. more, but, but more more than the fact that they don't want to own a hotel is they don't want to own all the hotels in the market, yeah. right? And this is one of those scenarios where they could end up holding a, holding a lot of hotels and don't really want to, you yeah. know? So I think people are going to be willing to work with you. I know some of the folks I'm talking to have had great conversations with their bank and yeah. been able to negotiate terms that make sense because nobody wants to be sitting on a ton of real estate, you know, six months down the road, you know, trying to figure out, okay, who do I get to take over these assets that I foreclosed on, you know, in the, in the immediate term, that's just not the most likely outcome. Um, yeah. the other thing I would say is, you know, when you talk about staying informed about government assistance, you know, I'm not typically one to say, Hey, there should be bailouts or things like that. But this is the time right now. People in Washington seem to be falling all over themselves to try to figure out who can be the fastest to shove the most money out the door. Yep. So maybe it's a good time to call your Congress critter. Maybe it's a good time to call your senator and your state Congress people and state uh, uh, senators as well to try to, you know, make the case for the importance of this industry to the local market, the importance of this industry to the overall economy. Uh, there was research from the conference board that showed that the, the businesses that are most impacted by the current events, so membership clubs, sports centers, parks, theaters, museums, public transport, hotels and motels, casino gambling, et cetera, um, for every 10% drop in spending in those categories, the overall consumer uh, spending drops by 1.7%. So that's huge in terms of what that does to the economy. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's a good time to start calling in some favors and calling some people and saying, hey, you got to help us out here because otherwise we, we end up in a much worse scenario, you know, yeah. six months from now than where we are right now. And yeah. sooner, sooner the better is the key there because this is not a hotel problem. This right. is a global problem with, uh, I have some rental properties and already reaching out to my bank to understand. And they were more than happy in my small rental experience of deferring mortgage payments because I know that my tenants will not be paying me rent in a couple days. So from a logistics perspective and a cash flow perspective, really understanding the first is coming up very soon what are my immediate cash outlays from a hotel's perspective and do those need to actually happen right now and talk to the bank to understand that because you don't want to be the person who outlays two months, three months, whatever it takes in mortgage payments when you find that your competition has been holding back powder for when things get better. So I yeah. think that's something to consider. Yeah, and I'd also say, you know, you touched on this too about talk, talking to congressmen and, and, and state and local um legislators but you can also look at organizations in your community that mm -hmm. that are already have 
people activated to lobby. So, you know, CVBs or other organizations like in, in our area, we have a business alliance that has a, a person on the on the full time staff that is a lobbyist. So there are groups out there, but you need to let them know your opinion. Like there, there's conversations going on in every market right now about if they haven't already, is the is the state going to shut down the hotels and just say we cannot operate? You need to weigh in on those decisions because they have big ramifications to to you know your insurance, to your viability, to a lot of things. So having also, conversations with those local groups, I think, can educate you, but also help you your voice be heard at a, a local and national level. And and if I can add to that, I mean, a I I completely agree, but also. You know, I don't think hotels should close. Uh, you know, there are people who have to travel because they are healthcare professionals. There are people who have to travel because they are, uh, you know, uh, folks from insurance companies. There are people who have to travel for a number of reasons. You probably, and we'll talk about this in a minute, you probably want to take some rooms out of service. You may want to take whole floors out of service, things along those lines. But yep. Uh, there was a story uh, somebody was talking about earlier today on the uh, hospitality digital marketing uh, uh, show that, uh, you know, stored is on every week. I'm on pretty much every week uh, where they just picked up $700,000 in business in the last couple of weeks in Vegas because they were the only people who were positioned to actually meet the demand that exists right now. Mm-hmm. So today and my my jaw dropped when I heard that. Jo- yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and it you know I mean I don't want to I don't want to make it out that there's going to be oh my gosh here's money raining from the skies I mean I don't think that's the reality we're going to see generally everywhere but there's a lot to be said for having some hotels remain in a position to serve the needs of the community and serve the needs of people who come through you know where it's going to be required for time for sure I agree. Right, and then the, the last part of that was talking about government assistance related to not just you and your business, but also your employees. You know, oh, yeah. We're in the people business. And uh, the the, realize, the reality of what we're dealing with is a lot of folks are losing their, their jobs right now. So, you know, be up to date on what you can do as an employer to make that pain as, as, as light as possible on these people. For example, you know, in South Carolina right now, and a lot of states are doing this, too. If the employer is the one that files for unemployment on behalf of the employee, it gets processed within three days, not seven days like it normally would. So it just it gives those people that are in an awful situation a little bit more comfort in in a little bit more appreciation so that when things do turn around, you're a lot more likely to get these people back and and have them as happy and loyal employees in the long term that are going to serve your guests. So. Thinking about not just from yourself, but what what else is out there to help your employees, I think is, is critical right now. One thing I would say to that is if we were having a question about hotel employment a month ago, our problem was we don't have enough people to work in our hotels. Yeah. Yeah. Something existential changed, but as that moves and goes away, it's the employer or the hotel that does the best job watching out for their employees in addition to their guests they're going to be the ones who retain and are able to grab the cream of the crop from the other properties. Yeah. All right. Let's r- jump on to number three three, 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 three. Number three, you need to cut costs strategically, but you need to do it ruthlessly. So there are a lot of things that we outlay cash for every month, and we need to go through those line by line and really decide what's going to be best for the short term and the long term, because, like we said, 
the game has changed. Yeah, I the, the thing I would encourage people to think about, and it, this goes back to playing poker, you know, you want to make sure you have enough chips so that you're still in the game nine months from now, right? Because this may take this may take three to six to nine months before people start to see some recovery from this and, and the economy starts to turn back around in a positive way. We don't really know, but be prepared to adjust, be prepared to, you know, <laughs> play a different hand as the time comes. But the first thing you need to make sure is that you're actually going to be around four months from now, five months from now, six months from now, so that you're in a position to take advantage of the recovery when and as it occurs. Yeah, so that's the strategic part, right, is is not just doing it to panic to survive right now, but it's also doing it in a way that's, you know, smart from a, a longevity perspective. So when, when you do get to the other side, whatever that is, that you have money to, to market because you're going to have to market to, to drive demand and, and, and try to take market share and things like that. But I will say, you know, one of the things, and, and this is kudos to our team, we, we kind of, like everyone else, I think a week ago, you know, th this reality was beginning to set in. Um, Pete and I flew back from California, kind of still making jokes about the whole ordeal. We hadn't really sat down and considered the starkness of people literally closing their doors. And HLA came out yesterday and said they're projecting 50% of all hotels are going to be closed, right? At least temporarily. So I don't think anyone a week ago was really thinking that way. And, and the tone has shifted tremendously in, in seven days. So what we did at Fuel was we really activated all our employees to say, what can we do to make this a little bit better right now? And one of the, the exercises we've gone through is literally line by line through every expense we have, every external cost, and said, what can we do to either defer, reduce, or eliminate this without impacting our clients more than they're already being impacted? So stuff that's that was unfathomable a week ago is now on the table and either has been cut or is being discussed to be cut so i'll give you a prime example of this we for the longest time have, have been big believers in a paid analytics product called adobe analytics it used to be omniture right it, there's a cost associated with that but there's a value that you get with it because you can get more granular data. There's certain insights into the data. When it's a high-volume client, you don't get sample data. It's it's accurate. So there's a lot of value to it, but it costs money. It's not for everyone, but a lot of our premium clients have always wanted on a journey. It's always been a cost, but now we're like, well, we would never have thought to cut on an analytics cost, but now we're, we're looking at it and saying, well, data and especially trend data, year-over-year -year data, things like that, the value has dropped dramatically in the last seven days because there is no comparison. And there probably won't be a comparison for 24 months. So does it make sense for those kind of costs today, even though we wouldn't have considered that as a question a week ago? So those are the kind of things you have to do internally. Go through every budget item everything and say do i need this will this impact me in the long term in the short term if if it's gone away and you've got to be ruthless with it but like tim said you've got to say i need some chips come out of this because i'm going to need to ante back into the game and a lot of folks that don't do take that approach are not going to have the money to ante and that is a huge opportunity for you to gain market share yeah if i can add one last thing to that you know it's it you said something a moment ago, Stuart, that I want to emphasize is 
especially as it affects guest experience. You know, mm-hmm. when people start to travel again, when they're able to travel again and the like, you know, they're going to be looking for people who took good care of them, people who provide yep. great experiences. So, you know, cut where you can cut in a way that the guest doesn't feel it, you know, and then yeah. obviously do what you got to do on the other side, right? Yeah, and it's interesting, right? Because what what a guest would feel, that that game has changed. Because, oh, yeah. You know, for for example, we got folks that are you know still open and still you know they've gone from eighty percent or ninety percent occupancy to single digit occupancy, but they still have a few guests in there lingering and you know either remote workers or or, or they're still on vacation or whatever it is, right? They've got a handful of people, but they've they've gone to optional housekeeping, they've gone to grab and go in their food and beverage. You know, they've really cut back. It, but people are very, very understanding right now. I've heard of very few experiences where people are being jerks about about it because everyone's a little more empathetic today than they were a week ago because we're in this together. So I think when we come out of this with a new normal, I think a lot of the sense of self-entitlement that, that has been a trend in our society may, ha- may be a little diminished after this. I hope so, but we'll see. Well, you know, I also think what's going to happen is a lot of this is temporary, but some of the changes and some of the adaptations we make are going to be permanent. Mm-hmm. So a I mean, perfect example is we're looking at streamlining our video conferencing for the office. We're recording this podcast right now on Skype. There, Those are things where money can be saved and really will not come back again. And it's going to be the same way from a, a guest experience. You may find that the grab-and-go breakfast at your Starbucks counter is better received than the person standing in line for five minutes to get the coffee and choose what they want. So pay attention to what those permanent changes are so that you can roll that out when we return to some level of normalcy. Yeah, yep. expe- expect that your, the cost for your Wi-Fi and your bandwidth are going to go up, <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, right? People are living their lives on Skype and Zoom and go to meeting and things along those lines right now. And and I think Pete's right. You're going to see a lot more of that as we come out of this. People are like, yeah, this is something we do now that uh, <coughs> people are going to expect they're going to have a really good Wi-Fi uh, connection. Yeah. My children are not happy that I'm hogging all the Wi-Fi from, from <laughs> them on a Friday. <laughs> You're a repeat. Yeah. All right, let's jump to number four. Number four, four. four, four, four. <laughs> Don't cut your rates. And this seems possibly counterintuitive to a lot of people because that is the knee-jerk reaction. I need to book rooms. I just need to get heads in bed, so I'm going to drop my rate. But that's just not the right thing to do right now. Yeah, this... Sorry, I'm jumping in right away on this one, but this is this is such a big one for me. I have called this for years the race you cannot win, right? Because it's a race to the bottom. Um, It used to be back before the days of digital, you could cut your rates and maybe gain some share from your competition because your guests would find out you had a better price and you'd pick up some additional revenue. In reality, the moment you drop your rates today. Your competition knows, everybody in market knows, we all know what everybody's prices is. Our guests are shopping rates constantly. They all know what prices are. And so literally all you're doing is taking money out of everyone's pocket, especially your own. And it's just a terrible thing. And it's much, much harder to raise rates back to the the prior level after things come back around. And there's some great research from folks at uh, Cornell and Smith Travel Research that have proved this. And 
anybody who was in this business in 2007 and remains in it today lived it, you know, after the downturn in 2008, 2009. Think about how long it took to get ADRs back to where they had been in 2006. You know, it's just not where you want to go. Think about value adds. Think about things you can use to entice people when they start traveling again. Obviously, the other thing to keep in mind right now is if you're going to cut your rates, that's not why they're not traveling. It's not because it's too expensive. It's because they can't. So you just have to think about how you're going to be ready when they're traveling to, to ensure you get the right revenue. Yeah, always, I had to go ahead, Melissa. We always talk about Groupon and how we're just so very much against Groupon because, you know, the rate you paid for that $49 night, you're not going to get that guest back again for $150 when they don't have that Groupon. So what have you gained? Yeah, I used to know it. I used to know a GM who referred to uh, what he called the cooler index, you know, which was he could tell where somebody had booked based on how many beer coolers they dragged through the <laughs> lobby of his four star property. Right. If it was, you know, if they if they didn't have a book beer cooler, they'd booked direct. If they had one beer cooler, they booked on uh, Expedia. If they had two, they'd booked on Priceline and anything more than that. It was a group on. <laughs> and it's exactly that. Like those folks had no ancillary revenue on property never came back and usually wrote a pissy review because, you know, everything cost them more than they wanted it to because they were so discount focused. So you lost on every single side of this. It's just such a such a bad way to go. Yeah. And, and it's, and tough, add- right? it's tough to be disciplined with rate at this point. But you touched on it, Tim. It's it's not a lever that is going to be effective right now. You've got to look at what the conditions are and what the motivators for people are. Then it's not that they're not traveling because they can't afford to. They're, they're just either they're not allowed to or they don't want to because of fear. Money isn't isn't an issue. Now, when we come out of this, the reality we're going to face is that likely there's going to be a, a deflation of the market condition. Likely there's going to be some form of recession, if not depression. And so, you know, the economics of supply and demand will probably mean there's going to be some. You know, if we look at average RevPAR predict projections for 2021, they're probably going to be lower than they were pr- originally projected for 2020, right? There's a reality that we have to deal with co- yeah. compared to competition. But you on your own in an isolated manner just saying, I'm going to slash rates or give a 40% discount to try to drive demand, do not do that. That is not a wise long-term decision for anyone. Yep, exactly. Pete, were you going to add something to that? I think you guys actually covered all my points. I mean, I'll say this. You can't fix a non-economic objection with an economic solution. So people, like you said, people aren't traveling because your rates are too high. There's no reason whatsoever to drop them. Tim's point of doing value adds and making it a, a better choice. But I also think at the end of the day, as we head into summer, there's going to be a lot of pent up demand. And we could see that short spike, you know, hopefully after everything passes, because people have been sitting at a home for a couple of weeks and I love my family, but maybe a guy's <laughs> vacation would be nice. <laughs> yeah. As, as you're saying that I'm crossing everything I can possibly cross <laughs> fingers, toes, legs, yeah. you know, well, and, and, and hopefully that's the case, but yeah. what you don't want to do is you don't want to benchmark yourself as a, $59 property if you drop your rate and now, you know, come into the summer, you know, you're not able to yield appropriately because you dropped your rate so far down. 
Yep. All right, let's jump on to number five because I think this kind of plays into this a little bit. It does. So number five is change your marketing thinking, but not your budget. And I think this one's incredibly important because you do not want to be the guy who pulls back on marketing and opens the door to your competition. Yeah. And, and, and you know, there's a little reality check here, right? The, the reality is we're talking hypotheticals and everyone's in a different situation. And, and we understand and are empathetic to the fact that saying that you shouldn't cut marketing right now is, is not a reality for a lot of people. But it should be the last thing you cut. And, and um, Tim, was it you yesterday I was having a conversation with that, that talked about the reverse closing philosophy? May have been Dan. Someone said this. I, where, I, this was not me. No. Okay. Maybe much Dan, smarter Dan than me. Or, or someone else. But they, they were talking about, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a sequence of where you invest when you're opening a property, right? And, and it usually starts with some kind of good manager and in marketing and sales. And then you start adding everything else. And, you know, this is sort of like a, a reverse opening. And, and so when you're cutting, you should probably do it in the reverse side, the reverse way. So, you know, a good solid leader in your marketing and sales should be one of the last things you cut um, because it's one of the only things that's generating demand right now. And, and yes, there's probably little demand in the very near future, but there are still people booking out further out. And when we get through this, whether that's in two weeks or two months or two years, at some point, you've got to be ready to activate and take on market share as as, uh, as quickly as you can because there's going to be a massive opportunity, massive opportunity for the folks that are doing this the smart way and have the, the budget to, to, to take it on. I know Lauren Gray, I was talking to him um, earlier in the week, and he was talking about he's got folks that have increased budget because they found that there's keywords that they can target right now because they're so, they're so cheap. <laughs> That they would never been out of target before because no one else is advertising on them. So there's def it's definitely a new normal and there's definitely new opportunities. So a blanket cut of the budget on the marketing spend and the advertising spend is probably, you know, maybe necessary for some folks, but it it's it certainly if you can avoid it, there's some opportunity there. Well, and especially in things like performance marketing. I mean, the problem you have with your paid search right now or the problem you have with meta search right now isn't that you're running out of budget. It's that you actually have more budget than there is demand to consume. Mm -hmm. So finding those opportunities where you can apply it to finding some demand that maybe you couldn't afford before is a really great idea. You know, um, I worked for the leading hotels of the world during the 2008, 2009 downturn. And we had this huge problem that, you know, we, we bid on things like luxury hotels, luxury hotels in New York city, things like that. And what happened was people stopped searching for luxury hotels, right? They started searching for cheap hotels and discount hotels and really cheap hotels and really, really, really cheap hotels, <laughs> right? Oh, so we were willing to spend the money. The demand just wasn't there. So think about, you know, how can you take that some of the performance marketing budget that you are not spending right now, put in your pocket, save for a rainy day, some of that 
see if you can apply to some of those, you know, opportunities that may exist out there that Lauren mentioned that are great. But shutting all of that down puts you in a real bad position. Uh, you know, we have a note, I'd had it on my blog post that I've, you know, uh, seen the research from Amrik Singh at the University of Denver and Chekaton Dev at the Cornell University School of Hotel Administration <laughs> found that during past downturns, there were significant differences between properties who did well both during a downturn and following the downturn based on whether or not they continued marketing. Those who marketed were the winners. Those who did not market were the losers. And it's just something you want to put yourself in a position to win when demand starts to come back into the marketplace. And if I can add one last point to that, you know the OTAs are going to do it. Yeah. So mm -hmm. don't yeah. put yourself in a position to put them back into a more uh, aggressive footing against you on this kind of stuff. Be really smart about it. Obviously, save money where you can. Adjust your messaging. I got an email yesterday, day before, that talked about, you know, these deals are infectious. And I wanted to call the marketing person and just, like, ream them. Because, oh. what, is, because what is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> like, where is your brain? Why, yeah. Why don't you have one? Uh, <laughs> well, there was a there was a mad dash to remove all of the spring fever sales. Yeah, totally, <laughs> totally. Which that's unfortunate timing. This yeah. is some yeah. dope thought this was a good idea. So I mean, you definitely want to rethink your marketing. We want to do more in terms of how we message to you know create consumer confidence and things along those lines, and also understand yeah save you know put some money in your pocket where you can. But don't go dark completely because then you're just going to be swimming up, you know, against a heavier current when uh, demand starts to return. And Tim, yeah. I think you hit on a very key point there is changing that messaging as well, because I saw one email that was really engaging that said, save 30 percent and rest easy knowing that you have a complete 100 percent refund policy, relaxing those policies that would be a barrier to someone booking, because right now it's. The biggest problem is the unknown and people not knowing if I book a vacation in June, can I go? If you can overcome that objection, then there's really nothing between you and that guest staying at your property. Uh, I think by, by going in that direction, you'll be able to be relevant to your guests. But depending on how you set that up, that could also help from a cash flow perspective. Save 30 percent if you, you pay in advance, whatever that might be. <laughs> I kind of throw that out there as a, as a question if you think that would be an effective strategy. Oh, yeah, totally. Uh, actually, I saw a great example of a restaurant right now who's giving gift certificates that are um, – they're almost like bonds. They're paying interest on them effectively. You know, you you buy a $100 gift certificate and you get $125 worth of value when you redeem it. You know, mm -hmm. things like that. So I might, I might flip it, Pete, where instead of giving them the 30% discount, give them 30% more for their spend. But I yeah. absolute, but I absolutely agree on. There's a lot of uncertainty right now. The more flexibility you offer to guests and future guests and the like, the more likely they are to to book with you because you've overcome their big objection from a from an uncertainty perspective. So I absolutely agree with that. And I think about, you know, how do you give them more for that spend and let them know, hey, you know what? We'll just apply it to a future stay when you are ready to come to us or something <laughs> like that can go a long, long way for coming those objections. Yep. And we're re running really long on this episode, but I think it's important that we we kind of keep keep the conversation going because I think there's so much value and there's a need for this kind of 
information right now, but on this this particular point about marketing budget, you, I think, Tim, have an, an, a story that you've told before on Lauren's show about, you know, previously when at one of your jobs where someone came to you and said, we need to cut marketing budget <laughs> and you pushed back. So I think yeah. that's. Yeah. That's so, that so this was at leading, actually, this was and, and I, I will. You know, I can publicly tell the story. The statute of limitations has passed, you know, that um, what tends to happen. I will tell you the exact story. You know, the the um, the CEO came to me and said, you know, hey, times are tough. I need you to cut your budget dramatically. And I took him through the budget line by line that every time we put a dollar out in the marketplace, we brought back four dollars, five dollars, seven dollars, ten dollars, depending on where we spent it. And I said, if we don't spend this money, we should just fold our tents and go home. There is no reason for us to be here. And it is bad for our hotels and it is bad for our business in the long run if we stop doing this. You know, I think the mistake marketing has made for a long, long time is, you know, times would get tough and the CEO would go to the head of sales and say, I need you to cut your budget by 10%. And the head of sales could say, well, the minute I do that, this is what happens to revenue. And then the CEO then says, oh, no, 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 don't do that. And then walks across the hall to the head of marketing and says, I need you to cut your budget 25%. Yeah. Because we we have not done a good enough job historically of showing the value of where every dollar went. Now, did I keep every single penny we spent at leading? No. Did I keep most of it? Yes, because we were able to demonstrate this money generates a return for us across the board. And that's that's the way you want to think about it. If you can't prove that it's working, it's probably a good idea to cut that marketing. It really is. And if it is, if you can prove it's marketing, uh, working and you cut that budget, that doesn't make any sense at all. You're already paying the, the OTAs $1 out of every five for money that they send you. If you won't spend $1 out of every six or $1 out of every seven on getting a guest to come direct, you're just not thinking about it the right way. Agree. Yeah. So I think I, I would encourage everyone because a lot of our audience are, are in the marketing team and they're probably having a lot of pressure put on them right now. And, you know, I, I think you've got to look at your individual situation and be realistic again, but be prepared to, to fight for that budget. You know, be prepared to have that argument and prove with data the impact that it's going to have to pull back. Because it, it really is the last thing that should be pulled back, as we already discussed. Yeah, and I don't want to undercut what I just said. Obviously, if it's a difference between, you know, spending money on your marketing or paying your note, obviously, yeah. <laughs> you know, do what you got to do to stay afloat first, right? That's the sure. first thing you want to do. But, right. but once you've covered, you know, the fact that you're going to be in business four months from now, then how are you going to make sure that you're going to be in business six months from now? Because you're actually going to be attracting guests to your property. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, tying that back into the earlier conversation, if if you're, if the question is your note or your marketing and you haven't had a conversation with the bank, go have a conversation with the bank first, then decide whether you have to cut marketing. Don't, don't just assume. All right, let's jump on to number six. Don't disappear from social. Now here's an avenue that literally costs you zero dollars all it does is cost you time which you may unfortunately have more on your hand than you did before stay in front of your audience don't let them forget about you because they are going to travel again whether it be in two weeks two months two years whenever you want to be on top of their mind and it again costs you zero dollars yeah, and this is a channel that didn't really exist especially you know that you know it, to some degree it certainly did in the the last kind of downturn recession but it 
the last time that there was a real big black swan unexpected event in 9-11, social didn't exist at all. So this is this is very different. And and I've heard people talking about, you know, the, the need to um, be proactive right now and sh- shed, share some light and, and share the pain and share the empathy with with your audience. And I, I think that's exactly right. There's people at home. They're, they're frustrated. They're scared. Um, they, in a lot of cases, they miss you if you're a destination that they, you know, come to every year or would have been coming to in the next few months. So I, I think there's an opportunity there to be, you know, a part of the conversation and be a part of their life, even though they're not physically with you. And, and we're seeing some outstanding creative on online right now, some really creative campaigns that are that are clever and witty and spreading fun and happiness to a lot of people so we're actually in the process of compiling a list of some of our favorites and we're going to be pushing that out as a blog article next week and then adding to it as well so anyone listening that sees something that they they like or that they they're doing themselves that that is inspirational send that over to info at fueltravel.com and we'll we'll add it to the, the list that we're compiling but tim you you referenced a resource in your uh, in your blog on your website, timpeter.com. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. And kudos, by the way, to you guys for giving, giving props to a competitor, honestly, because a uh, screen pilot put together a really, really fantastic set of resources, uh, on terms of how you be aware, available and agile on social, you know, and it's just, it's an outstanding resource. It, you know, I'm a big believer in a rising tide lifts all boats and you know, we're, we're trying to do what's good for the industry as a whole right now. So I really applaud you guys for, for sharing this too, because they've really done a great job of thinking through this and, you know, list some great examples of how different hotels are doing this and doing it really effectively, how different destinations are doing it and doing it effectively. You know, if I can share one very specific story about this, um, I just saw, I got a thing from affinity the other day and they're doing this on all their social channels where they're literally sharing all kinds of, of um, actually, I, I apologize. I'm going to take a step back and then I'm going to explain what they're doing. You know, one of the things we know is true about guests shopping for travel, as opposed to many other things that they buy online, is how much they enjoy the process. People love to shop for travel online, in, when they're, especially for leisure travel, because they get to picture themselves forward into this event. You know, it's the people who really like to shop for things online are like people planning a big vacation and, you know, brides planning their wedding, right? Because you're starting to think about the day and it's just going to be so great. And so people enjoy the process very much. And what Affinia has done that's really cool is they're sharing all of these things you can do in New York virtually. So here's, you know, here's videos of, uh, you know, the view from the top of the Empire State Building. Here's, you know, virtual tours of museums and things like that. And selling the destination first on social and in email and things like that to then make people aware that, hey, when you're ready to come to New York... Hi, remember us? <laughs> yep. So it's just really well thought out and using social very well from that perspective. So I, I think it's great that you all are putting together resources, including when they link to folks who who might be competitors, you know, for for help from hotels. But hopefully, there's going to be enough hotels for all of us to go around when this is all said yeah. and done, right? And that, that's how I think you kind of succinctly summarized our our strategy right now, and and it really is a strategy of. We want the industry to survive and we want individuals within the industry to survive. It's not about fuels market share. 
it's about sharing supporting the community in the hospitality so you know that's why we we sent out the email we sent out this morning that's why we have created the resource of um all the all the list of links and webinars and podcasts and and blog articles that people are putting out there and um you know it's been really interesting i've had some phenomenal conversations with folks that would be considered our competitor you know uh, over the last week because we're all in this together and and one of the rallying cries that we've put out is we we want to invite people you know our competition and everyone else if you have some value to contribute to the to the community right now to the industry right now you're welcome to come on the show and we're going to be pushing out more and more content you're welcome to add your content to our aggregated lists um so I, I'm going to reach out to ScreenPilot. I love this article. I'm going to reach out to them and ask them to come. I don't know if anyone from ScreenPilot listens to the show, but love to have someone from the show come on and talk about this article because I think there's so much value here that can help a lot of hotels. Well, know. and and it's and it's a behavior that hotels we should be modeling to hotels. I, I applaud this so much, Stuart. I really do. And you know, Melissa and, and Pete, all of you. Because I am perfectly happy to take a 40% decline in market share in my business in a market that's growing 50 or 60 or 70%, right? Yep. I mean, it's I will happily take a smaller share of a much, much bigger pie. And I think that's, you know, what you're doing is is definitely worth applauding because that's what we want. We, we're we okay with a declining market share in a market that grows twice as large, right? Yep, exactly. <laughs> yeah. All righty, so let's let's move on to number seven. seven. Number seven, keep learning. So everything we've talked about really requires an adaptable approach to how you handle the market that was yesterday, the market that's today, and the changing market that's going to be tomorrow. The most important thing you can do, though, there is learn and be ready to kind of accept other people's ideas, see where the trend is going, and be ready to adapt to that. We're all probably sitting around in our pajamas and we've got time. So put that time to use and invest as best as you can. Tim, I think you have a, a great post that we have linked to in the show notes. Very helpful to look through. And then also on, on the fuel site, we had that master list of the crisis resources that people can look at as well. But find find stuff, learn something new and be ready to adapt. Yeah, and I would say, you know, there's probably a chunk of folks listening to the show that a week ago, the last time they listened to the show, had a secure job and either now find themselves, you know, furloughed or laid off or fearful of what the future holds for their position. And I would say, you know, not only should you be learning and helping the business that you're working for, but if you're in that unfortunate situation where a lot of people are, this is a good opportunity to to roll up your sleeves and invest in yourself as well and sharpen your skills. I, I know that a lot of those virtual schools, those online courses are available. A lot of them are pushing them out for free right now. And um, I got an email from Coursera today that was just, here are six skills you can learn in six weeks. So sharpening your sword, becoming a stronger individual and a more employable person in what's inevitably going to be a more competitive employment market. In, in the very near future, th those are things you can invest in today that are going to pay dividends tomorrow and beyond. So learn, 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 educate yourself, but also be cautious that you're not overloading yourself. I, I, I had a very much needed therapy session with Tim yesterday where I was talking about all the, the scary news that's coming out, you know, and I'm, I'm just a fervent consumer of information. And 
I always have been, and I can get obsessive with it. And I was just going down the rabbit hole of all the, all the scariness and, and the worst case scenarios. And, and Tim was like, Hey dude, you just need to take a couple of hours off and, and, you know, take a walk or go outside or spend time with your kids or something. And I'm like, I, you're right. I absolutely do. And I did. And yeah, I came through it a lot, a lot more sane than, than perhaps I would have without it. So thank you for that, Tim. But, but also that's good advice to everyone, everyone listening it, in, Educate yourself, inform yourself, but also be willing to take a break when you need it as well. Well, thank you. Thanks, Stuart. I appreciate you saying that. You know, I have been fortunate uh, in a weird way. And this, I know this is going to sound really strange, but I started my career uh, in during the 91-92 recession. That's that's when I first started actually working as a professional. And mm -hmm. then I was working as a professional during 2001 when 9-11 occurred. And obviously we had a big economic downturn. And I was in a leadership role during 2008-2009 when we had the next major downturn. And I learned 10 times more in each of those three scenarios than I learned in all the other years ever. Because that's when you get good. That's when you have to get smart and you have to get really effective and you have to get really efficient. You know, I'm a better, I'm a better leader today. I'm a better marketer today. I'm better at what I do. I'm more humble <laughs> um, because of those experiences, <laughs> right? Uh, wow. You know, it's, it was easy to be less humble. <laughs> no, I'm telling you, man, it was easy to be, it was really easy to be great at this stuff in 2007 and 2006 yeah. and think, man, I'm the best who ever yeah. did this. Or 2019, <laughs> it was easy too, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And then, and then you have these, these things that come along and they're, they're where you're going to get good at your craft. They're where you're going to get good at what you do. Um, and you know, you at the same time you also do have to unplug you do have to get good at a lot of things talk to people take us take a walk outdoors take I, this is so important right now especially when we're talking about something that's predicated by a health crisis of take care of yourself you know you can't you can't help others you can't put yourself in a position to help others if you're not in a position to first help yourself and it doesn't mean you ignore other people it just means you know uh, any, anybody here ever have lifeguard training, right? I have. Yeah. yeah. When you're trained as a lifeguard, what's the first thing that you're told as a lifeguard is don't drown because <laughs> you can't, because you can't save the other person if they're dragging you to the bottom. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so it's this thing of you want to learn, you want to get good and you want to put yourself in a position where you can help others and, and, you know, provide support to folks, but don't drown first. Right. Yeah, and I like the. I listened to your your most recent episode of the the Things Out Loud with Tim Peter podcast, and you were talking about your one of your bosses where you'd made a massive mistake in the past. And you uh -huh. talked about the the cost of education. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we we launched a promotion at a. Uh, this was at Leading actually. We launched a promotion. This was on my watch. Um, we went viral in an era when nobody had yet gone viral. This was uh, very early days of social and the like. Uh, crushed the websites. Uh, we we were knocked offline for the better part of a day. Um, people posted, people edited our Wikipedia page to talk about how this whole thing was a scam that we had never intended to actually honor and all this other kind of stuff. I mean, it was all kinds of ugly. And, I, you know, I went, I walked into his office and said, first of all, I take full responsibility for this. You know, secondly, I'm prepared to do whatever is necessary as we get through this and the like. 
Uh, and he could not have been more gracious about it in terms of, you know, this is something we're going to get through. This, if this is the worst thing that ever happens to us, we're pretty lucky people, which turned out to be true. And mm-hmm. a, a few weeks later, I was talking, you know, he brought it up in a meeting, what had gone on. And I, I kind of groaned and said, can we never talk about this again? And he said, and he said, no, we're going to talk about it all the time. We paid the tuition. We ought to put the education to use. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It was just such a wise insight. Right? You're going to learn stuff from this. Some of the learnings are going to be painful. You're paying the tuition right now. Use the learning. Yeah. And that's why you're the most tweetable person. There. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say the exact same thing. Pete, it just comes from getting kicked in the teeth a bunch over the years. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. All right. Well, let's move on to the last one. And last but not right. least, number eight. eight, eight. Help, help others and keep smiling. And this may be the hardest thing of all the things is to keep smiling. But you know what? We're on the right side of the earth right now. And uh, we need to help each other. We're all in this together. And try and do it with a smile on your face. Yeah, there's a lot of pain, there's a lot of hurt, and, and there's a lot of fear. And it, it, it's important, I think, to, to kind of put it in perspective. I mean, obviously, economies are being devastated. There's a lot of health concerns with a lot of people, especially at-risk populations. But there are people probably that have it worse than you do right now, whatever your situation is. And I, I, we feel like at Fuel that we're, we're, we're very blessed, you know, although financially we're like everyone in the industry, we're crippled right now, right? Despite that, we still are going to do our part. We're going to roll up our sleeves. We're going to help the industry fight through this. In, in, you know, we're looking at ways to be creative. We're looking at what are the skills we have? What, what can we do that others can't on their own? And candidly, we're doing a lot of free work for a lot of clients because they can't pay us right now. And yeah, we we get it, right? We're building loyalty, and on the on the flip side of of this, we'll have a have a long term partnership, but that's not why we're doing it. We're doing it because we genuinely want them to survive. And and others that, that have never been clients are coming to us now and saying, "We need your help," and, and we're helping, and we're doing it in the way that we can with the resources that we have, knowing that we we need to survive as well and we need to eat. But this is a time that where I really feel like the divisions, the, the them's and the us's don't apply anymore. And and so, like I said earlier, we're talking to folks that are competition about how can we help each other? How can we both come through this? If we jive philosophically and we're in it for the right motivation, what can we do to, to help? So again, I put out that kind of rallying cry to the industry. If if you can help others, then then you should absolutely do it. If we at Fuel can be a a, a piece of the, the resource that you need to, to do that, if you want to use our podcast platform, our resources platform, anything that we have that we can provide to help you get your message out, do it. You know, share, share, share some joy. If you see something on social media that someone else is doing, share it with the world and share it with us because and we'll we'll amplify that message for you. Because Lord knows we need we need some some levity right now. We need some optimism. We need some some help. So every one of us in this industry should band together. It, it's a community. That's why we love the industry. We we had a, com- a conversation earlier in the week, and it was it was interesting because Fuel's been around for 25 plus years. We we actually opened our doors in 1994 as a as a web development company, and we were servicing a lot of different verticals. We were in real estate and healthcare and 
online retail and all, all sorts. And, and in 2015 is where we said, no, we're going all in on the hospitality industry. This is where our passion is. These are the people we love. And, and someone was like, well, that may, that may have been a mistake in hindsight, given given the situation, <laughs> you know, going all in on the, this industry right now. And we're like, no, it absolutely was not a mistake. The, the, you know, we're in it because we love it and we love it because the people are the most generous in, in caring people in the world. That's why they're in hospitality. And, you know, now more than ever, we need each other. So that that's kind of the rallying cry. We want this podcast to, to be, we feel like we have a responsibility to play a small part in the recovery and whatever we can do to, to participate in that we're, we're willing and happy and, and, and ready to do it. So anyone out there that's listening that we can help, let us know info at fueltravel.com. Anyone that feels they can help others and they want to use our platform, give us a shout, and, and it's, it's yours. You know, Mikasa, what is it the saying? I don't speak foreign, but Mikasa, Sukasa, is that it? Mikasa, Sukasa. There you go. That thing. That, that, is, that is our mantra right now. So, yeah. And anyone out there, come one, come all. So, Tim, you have anything to add on this this section about like helping others? I know you're you're a very altruistic person in general. You you offer a lot of free advice to a lot of people and continue to do so throughout this this craziness. Well, I mean, I I I just want to echo what you said. I mean, I I love this industry. I love the people in this industry. You know, in business, we don't use the word love enough. You know, I love the people in this industry. Nobody got into hospitality for the money, right? right. So in some ways, that puts us in a better position right now than a lot of other folks. Because, hey, the people who got into whatever they're doing for the money are suddenly finding there might not be as much money as they'd <laughs> hoped. So, hey, bully on you. You found something out that you needed to know. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I heard a great story uh, that I shared on my podcast, but I'll share it here. Because I just thought it was fantastic about um, a hotel that I work with. Uh, they had a guest cancel, and they were working with the guest to refund their $250 deposit. This is a very high-end luxury property. And the, the person said, no, no, keep the money and share it with the hotel staff because times might be tough for a while. Hmm, and awesome. when, and, and the, the you know reservations person said, we thanked her profusely for her kindness and assured her we would share the love with our credible staff. And she said, well, when times get tough like this, we got to take care of each other, don't we? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's why I feel pretty good about all of this. I mean, it's, I, I don't want to be a Pollyanna. I don't want to, you know, I'm not sticking my head in the sand. There are some difficult times ahead of us. That is undoubtedly true. There's some difficult times that we are facing immediately. We will get through this. This is not the only time things like this have ever happened. It will not be the only time things like this will ever happen. We get through them because we we work together and we pull together and we stand together. And I think that's really fantastic. Yeah, well said. Uh, and, and I would say, you know, beyond the hotel industry, you know, look at your local community. There's a lot of small businesses that are going to be really hurting. And so support local restaurants. And a lot of, a lot of them in our area are doing pickup, you know. So we're trying to organize people to go and, and, and put cash into their pockets right now you know go encourage people to go pick up food where where you're able to where the laws allow it in be generous leave big tips if you if you're in a position right now that you still have a job you're better off than a lot of people and so be be generous with the resources that you have and if it's not financial then maybe it's time maybe it's just a word of support or maybe it's just sharing 
their special that they promoted on social that you saw in your feed to, to your audience. You know, there's things you can do to varying degrees, but support each other. I, I think, you know, Pete, you kind of talked about this earlier that when we come through the other side of this, you know, and get back to quote unquote normal, there are going to be things that have fundamentally changed in society. Things, the truths that we knew a week or two or three ago are no longer going to be the case. And I, I really hope, and I genuinely mean this, I hope one of those things is that we begin to put aside some of the petty differences that have divided us so much over the last few years. And we start to realize that we are really one big human race and we're in this together through thick and thin and that we can start to work together more and in, in start to celebrate our differences versus being divisive and, and pointing out each other's flaws and things like that. Like, I really hope that that's one of the positive things that comes out of this, that we now are more together than ever. Yeah. The sentiment it, certainly says that right now on social, people are a lot less angry than they were with each other. But, you know, how long that lasts, I don't know. I hope it's a permanent thing. I really do. Kind of going back to, you know, the, the idea of helping others and keep smiling we're all hoteliers, and it's very important to remember that even if our guests can't visit our property, we can still be a great hotelier. Uh, and, and look around. You're, if you're in a destination, you have, you're at the place where everybody wants to go. So sharing that, there's a good example. If anyone's ever been to Myrtle Beach, there's a restaurant in Myrtle's Inlet called Dead Dog Saloon. And they had a concert yesterday. I, I don't know if this guy worked there or if they had already lined up to have entertainment, but it was a guy on stage, nobody else in the entire restaurant, just doing this acoustic set uh, on live on YouTube. I mean, I'm not on YouTube, uh, Facebook. And it was awesome. It was just fun. It was relaxing. Everybody was already on social kind of seeing what was going on and to just be able to watch an acoustic concert, you know, in an empty restaurant was just, was just fun and cool. And that's the kind of thing I think hoteliers need to be saying, how can we do this? How can we just keep people happy in a time that's not the best? We, we always talk about the best opportunity to win a new guest is when they have a minor problem and you can turn it into a blessing for them. And if you can do that now, it's going to come back <coughs> in spades long term. Well said, sir. Awesome. Well, Tim. Thank you. We're taking up a lot of your time. This might be the record longest episode. I don't know. But. <laughs> that's, that's just because I talk a lot. It's okay. <laughs> it, it's funny because you do have these succinct little quotes, these tweetable quotes, and yet you can you can also talk quite a lot too. But so do we. So that's okay. Oh. You, you fit in right at home. Imagine, imagine if we had beers. I mean, we'd be here for another hour and a half still. <laughs> that's, we'd that's be on item problem. two. <laughs> <laughs> Well, open invitation, Tim, uh, over the next few weeks, if you have information you want to share and or, or advice to give to our audience and to the hospitality industry at large, then you're welcome back on any time. I think our goal is to start doing more frequent episodes and, and probably shorter than these ones. So, you know, even if it's just a small idea, just a pearl of wisdom that we want to share, I think that you're welcome anytime. Just hit me up. We'd love to love to have you back anytime. You certainly add a lot of value to the show. Finally, finally, we got someone that knows what they're talking about on the show. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I'm just making it up as I go. Thank you so much for having me. This has been a delight. It's been a lot of fun. Oh, you're welcome. So if people want to find out more about you and, and check out the blog that kind of inspired this episode, where can they do that? 
They can find me at timpeter.com or you can go to timpeter.com slash blog to find the blog posts. Um, I am usually Tim Peter on most social media, but for some reason I am TC Peter on Twitter. I didn't think it it was going to last, but you can can find me uh, at timpeter.com and link to everything from there. Awesome. Well, again, we appreciate you being on the show. So, yeah, everyone check out timpeter.com and also his amazing podcast, Thinks Out Loud with Tim Peter. It's 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 great. It's like 15 minutes long. He always pretends at every the end of every episode that he uh, looks at the <laughs> clock on the wall, even though he doesn't and says we're out of time. Now, wait, I do want to point out, I actually there, I'm looking right now. There is a clock on my wall and this is okay. completely true. I look at the clock every time I say that line. However, yeah. I do want to point out the batteries in that clock died about six <laughs> months ago. So I don't actually know what time it is, but I assume it's the right time, whatever yeah. time it happens right. to be. It's whenever you look. That, that's, <laughs> that's correct. Basically, we're run out of things to say. That's funny. And I also wanted to point out, you call it the big show. What's the origin of you calling it the big show? I have no idea. I was being goofy one day and it stuck. Um, I'd love, I I need to come up with a better story for that, but that's the God's honest truth. I was just (laughs) blathering and I was like, that's kind of funny. So I kept it. Yeah, I like it. When it's just me sitting here in my office, you know, the big show, it's just one guy with one dumb guy with one dumb microphone. <laughs> it makes me laugh every time. So it was worth the joke for sure. Uh, <laughs> there you and, go. and I love how you, um, the, the crassness of your rhyme of all the digital marketing needs, oh, all the, dig, what the, you said, because I can't even digital, get it. Uh, uh, the digital marketing expertise, your business needs. Right. So, so rhyming expertise with needs. It's, it's awesome. Very, very well, cool. you know, I was, a, I was a freestyle rapper at one point yeah. in my life, <laughs> you know, I'm sure when you, people look at me, that's the first thing they think of, you know, is, is, is yeah. me and Eminem throwing down, you yeah. know, <laughs> don't, awesome. don't call it, don't call it a comeback. I've been here for years. <laughs> and I also want to call out Pete because you got through this entire episode, Pete, without giggling like a little girl. Cause I know Tim <laughs> Peter is, is your hero that you have. A, Shut a, up, Stuart. <laughs> you have a complete man crush on his wisdom. You talk about him and, all the time. And there's in the information there for sure. Yeah. That, that is very that is very kind of you, very flattering. And also, uh, you know, Pete, if you would get the tent off my front lawn, I'd be really happy about that. <laughs> that that's, that's, easement. that's easement. You have no right to say that. <laughs> Fair, enough. Fair enough. All right. And, and Melissa, you hanging in there? You recovered yeah. from the marathon? Can I, uh, uh, can I give a shout out to a listener who put a smile on my face this week? Sure. So I was tagged in a LinkedIn post this week that really, truly made me smile and made possibly my year at this point. And uh, the original poster of the LinkedIn post was talking about zero cost marketing. And in it is a picture of a towel animal sitting on a toilet. And the poster or the Christoph Hutter, I hope I'm saying his name right, tagged me in his comment asking me if I would add this picture to a hotel's image portfolio, because clearly he has listened to enough episodes to know my feelings about toilet pictures on hotel websites. <laughs> that is a super fan right there. That's, that I, was, I was so blown away by that little tag and it really made my day. So thank you, Christoph. That's awesome. Yeah, we, we love to interact with the, the fans. So if you guys listening for the first time or for the 137th time, if you want to reach out to us, best way to do that is info at fueltravel.com or you can hit us up on Twitter 
at Fuel Travel. You can also find all of us individually on LinkedIn and on Twitter. So, Melissa, if they want to find you somewhere on the web, where can they do that? I am on Twitter at M.A. Cavanaugh, M-A-K-A-V-A-N-A-G-H. And Pete? I'm at P. DeMeo, P-D-I-M-A-I-O. And Tim, one more time, what's your website? TimPeter.com. You can find me at Stuart Butler again collectively at Fuel Travel. The notes to this week's show is going to be at fueltravel.com slash podcast and click on episode 137. On that page, we'll have links to Tim's resources and also to the resource list that we've created that just compiles and it's aggregated every article we can find of value about dealing with a crisis. So that's a resource that hopefully you guys will find somewhat useful. We're adding new articles to that literally every day. So come back to it frequently, share it with people. Hopefully there's, there's something in there that'll help you navigate this craziness with a little more um, information that, that, that helps you be a little more strategic. So with that said, until next time, you have been listening to the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. I can I can throw out something stupid. I'm sure. Just give me a second. Uh, 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 yeah, there you go.